This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. And I'm Rachel Ho. On today's episode, we are previewing this year's Toronto International Film Festival. This year marks the fest's 44th edition, having started way back in 1976. It is one of the world's largest film festivals and trails only the likes of Cannes and Sundance in terms of importance to the film industry. Since 2008, every single People's Choice winner, except for one, has gone on to either be a Best Picture nominee, or in the case of five of them, the actual Best Picture winner. Today, we're looking at what movies we're most excited for that will be playing at the festival. Some movies mentioned will only get limited screenings, so we likely won't be able to see them, but we're still excited to get the reactions and to watch them down the line. So, Rachel, how did you go about making your list today? Before I do that, actually, which was the movie that didn't get nominated? It was uh, a movie from 2011 called Where Do We Go Now, directed by Nadine Labaki. So that one didn't end up getting anything, but um, A Separation was the second runner-up, which ended up winning Best Foreign Language Film. So still there is the, the track record. And oftentimes that the one... That won uh, the People's Choice Award and didn't go on to be a Best Picture winner, but still was a nominee. One of the runners-up was the winner. So, like, Silver Linings Playbook was the People's Choice mm-hmm. winner. The runner-up was Argo. Uh, so there, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Room was the winner. Spotlight was the second runner-up. Won Best Picture. And, and so forth. Uh, La La Land was the Best Picture winner, and then it wasn't the Best Picture winner. <laughs> but, yeah. So That's... That, that, very often the case. Jojo Rabbit was the yeah. winner. Parasite was the second runner-up. Marriage Story was the first runner-up. So, like, there, there, there's a lot of the cases. Like, if I was to do the full math of, like, the three movies named in the last, like, 10, 15 years, you probably have, like, a very high percentage of both the winner and uh, one of the films going on to be a nominee, too. That's really impressive. It, it's, like, it's a really good track record for TIFF. I wonder if um, if there's any other film festival that can boast such a such an impressive track record. I don't think no, they can. It, it really doesn't. Like, yeah, that's Con interesting. Doesn't really have like the best picture movies. No, they kind yeah. of have a weird blend of where like they do some Hollywood blockbusters and then also like the biggest international films, which mm-hmm. usually don't mm-hmm. make it to the best picture lineup. And TIFF isn't always the premier the world premiere of these movies. Oftentimes they'll have been at other festivals, sometimes gathering steam until they get to TIFF where they eventually sort of explode in popularity. Um, yeah. So it's sort of tough to really say, like I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, what's a type of movie that didn't premiere at TIFF, but ended up doing really well later on. Um, it's not often. That's pretty cool though. Good for Toronto. Good for, yeah. good for, good for Bell getting this this, uh, film festival going good good job um anyways to answer your question how did i come up the list there's so many movies at tiff it's such a it's it's honestly such a daunting task um to look at everything i use i'm going to plug a website that was just um shown to me recently which is 2021.tiffr.com and it just makes like there we've complained about the tiff portal and the scheduling before i really don't like the way that they do the schedule like it it just looks so complicated to me and this website breaks it down really really nicely and gives you kind of each film and when it's going to be playing and uh this year whether or not it's going to be like in person or uh what do you call it online on the digital platform so i think that's really cool so i did that i went through the website and um literally just went through right down the list of what films that they have there are certain categories that i always take a look at so uh contemporary world cinema and i think the other one's called discovery yeah discovery those are the two that i tend to look at in the past of which ones i want because the big ones which you'll get into later like dune and last night in soho and those ones those are going to come out like regardless that's how i look at tiff anyways is what are the movies that um, we might not be able to see, like they might not get distribution or it might be a long time before we get distribution. And those to me are the movies that are more worthwhile to take a look at versus these really, really big ones, which I do have a couple of them on my list. Um, they might not see the light of day or those, sorry, those ones will see the light of day and like, and probably soon. Like I think Dune is scheduled for, I want to say an October release. Um, so it's, it's coming up really quickly. So if you don't catch it at TIFF, like, 
relax, you're fine. Just go, just go in October and it'll be less expensive to go in October. Um, but yeah, that's how I went through my list. Like I just kind of went down, looked at the different categories and tried to focus a bit more on Canadian movies, international movies, and also ones that maybe I heard about that film that or played at other film festivals that I didn't get a chance to look at. Uh, how about you though? How'd you take a look at, how'd you combine your list? Well, first, I take offense that you didn't share this website with me. I'm so uh, sorry. Do you know what? Go through the TIFF website. I legit thought Dakota already knows this one. I'm not going to patronize <laughs> the man by sending him be like, hey, have you heard of this really cool website? It's called Google and you can search things on the internet. That's what wow. it felt like to me because it, it seemed like everyone was like, oh, it's such like an insider, like everybody who does TIFF a lot. And I know that you've done TIFF quite often. So I'm like, Dakota knows about it. No. So I apologize. I should have sent it to you anyway. Yeah, like I'm, my I'm bad. A little bit. <laughs> no, but you Rachel. should feel you should feel compliment. Like it's a compliment because, like, I thought <laughs> you were so plugged in. You knew it. You didn't need me to tell you this. So my bad. Well, I'll often, send it to you later. I often do things the long and painful process way, which is scroll <laughs> through the TIFF website and There's hope that I can website. figure it out. Uh, because yeah, a lot of it is basically like, all right, so I, I know what Dune is. Like, I'm. Yeah, like I I said when uh, I wrote my article about uh, the the movies I most anticipate for the rest of the year, calling it the Dune Memorialist. Might as well call this the uh, Dune Memorial Podcast because like, <laughs> we're not talking about Dune. Everyone knows about Dune, all right? Yeah, shut up about Dune. I want to see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, just kind of like scrolling through the TIFF website, and and sometimes the blurbs that you see like you know the the first little bit before you have to like open the page up in full to see the rest of it sometimes it'll like have the name of the director or the name of the star or something like that so oftentimes you're like be like do i recognize the person in the thumbnail do they have i heard of this movie before oh oh okay yeah i see they mentioned an actor's name in this i like them okay let's let's look in and see what the full description of this movie is so like Mm -hmm. When you're scrolling through the TIFF website, if I really want to and read every single description, I probably have a list of like 50 plus that I'd be interested in. But because I'm limited to, all right, I know I'm just making a top 10 or whatever it is that I'm doing here. Uh, who do I recognize? What do I what do I know already sort of thing? I can kind of go from there. What, what buzz is, is the film already getting? So it's a little tough, but like... Yeah, there, I'm not going to talk about Dune. I'm not going to talk about Last Night in Soho. I'm not going to talk about Petit Maman, this new Celine Sciamma movie. I'm not going to talk about The Power of the Dog, Titan, Belfast. Uh, basically, if the movie was on my top 10 most anticipated for the year list, rest of the year list, which I'll link in the show notes, uh, it's not making my list here. Now, I know some of them that I just mentioned will make your list. So I'm not going to reveal which ones they might be, but, uh, but that's sort of how I went about it. And I don't know if it makes my list any better or not, but like you, I was trying to highlight some Canadian films, trying to highlight some movies that maybe are going to go under the radar a little bit, or ones that uh, after TIFF might sort of explode in popularity and trying to predict which ones will be more successful in that way. So the way we did this is we both came up a list of, our five films that we're most excited about. And then we've got a couple honorable mentions that we'll share at the very end. But uh, what's, uh, what's the first film that you are excited about, Rachel? It's a documentary called Flea. And it is by a Danish filmmaker, Jonas Rasmussen, or Jonas, depending on if you want to put a Scandinavian flavor to it. Um, it's an animated documentary, which is partly why I'm interested in it. And it's about a young kid who's a refugee in Afghanistan who flees Afghanistan and moves to Denmark. And it's a true story. Uh, The character, not the character, he's a person. It's a real human being who still lives in Denmark. And during his teenage years had a kind of a sexual awakening and realized that he was gay. And the documentary from what I've heard goes into two parts. So basically you've got part one, which is, Uh, a refugee story leaving Afghanistan. And then part two is a coming of age tale of a kid who's growing up in a pretty, you know, conservative and traditional family and realizing that he doesn't fit the tradition and the conservatism that he grew up in. So I, this came on my radar uh, in July when uh, one of the websites that I write for called that shelf, they did a article about the, 
I think it was like your top five picks for the year so far. So from January to, to end of June and two of the writers picked flea and I hadn't heard of it before. And I thought it just was interesting that two people picked it. I looked it up. It sounds fascinating. Um, I love that it's an animated one as well, because sometimes a tale like this is so it's quite difficult to tell, like to retell it and, and make it compelling. Cause I think if you try to do reenactments of somebody fleeing Afghanistan like it just doesn't look quite right so I think that using an animated um, medium is in an odd way grounds the movie that much more will ground the film that much more so I'm really looking forward to it uh, yeah I love I'm I'm big on documentaries this year so uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to this one awesome yeah I I'm not familiar with that one at all uh, animated documentaries are a bit of a, a rarity. There is a one that's also coming out this year about Anne Frank that uh, seems mm-hmm. interesting. So maybe it's the year of the animated doc. The first film I want to talk about is Spencer. Ma'am, they're waiting for you which is the new film that's starring uh, Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana. It also has Sally Hopkins, who is playing her personal attendant in Confidant, Timothy Spall as her security guard, who she probably can't trust, uh, and and some more people too. But uh, this is going to be directed by Pablo Lorraine, who directed the Oscar-nominated film Jackie and also uh, the, the foreign language film No, which starred Gail Garcia Bernal, that was, that was also a nominee. But uh, here, Kristen Stewart looks like a, a contender to actually win Best Actress this year. She's sort of been like hovering in that periphery of like, hey, when's Kristen Stewart going to get nominated for Best Actress? But like, mm-hmm. this looks like everyone's going to be throwing their weight fully into it. They just released the teaser trailer and the poster, and both of them look absolutely immaculate. I'm all on board, especially like I like Kristen Stewart as an actress, but I sort of find that she does better when she has less lines to say. I, I don't want to say <laughs> that she's a bad speaker, but like she's definitely someone who you can project emotions and feelings on just the way she looks and less so when she's explaining them (laughs) um (laughs) so it'll be interesting but like much like jackie this is a biopic that takes a narrow scope uh to be a single time frame in this case it's christmas right before prince charles and princess diana get a divorce as diana is feeling isolated during the family getaway as she sort of struggles to maintain a public face while her her marriage is crumbling I'm very excited about this one uh, for all those obvious reasons I was stating. Is this one that you're sort of looking forward to as well? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. Wow. Shut me down. All right. Not, wow. not exactly. Um, the Fury, I, I don't know why. I, I It feels icky to me to do a movie about Princess Diana um, just because of the way that she passed away and her children are still alive. Like, I, it just... I understand that she's part of the royal family and what comes with that is a lot of, I mean, that was the, her ultimate demise was it's a lot of attention and quote unquote, like being fair game to, to media. And, you know, when you're a public figure and you, you, you do these things, like, but I mean, I'm not sure if, if like William and Harry, did they get their okay for a movie to be done like this, but they've been pretty adamant um, of, kind of keeping her memory kind of quiet and to themselves in a sense, you know? And so there's something about it that doesn't quite sit right with me, if I'm honest, um, of having this movie. I am going to end up watching it just because it's one of the big um, pictures that are coming out of TIFF. So maybe I'll be proven wrong and um, it'll be something that I really enjoy. But yeah, it's just the idea of it for some reason. I've never... I've never been too keen on something like this. Like, we've been having a lot of these biopic... um, movies the last some however many years and you know you got like the the Bohemian Rhapsody and Elton John and things like that but I don't know there's something about the way for Princess Diana that I'm not as I'm not too warm on it just the idea of it in general it's not about the movie itself or the people that are behind it um it's just like the very idea of having a movie for her makes me cringe a little bit interesting uh were you a fan of Jackie uh no I wasn't uh, I, I didn't, I just, I didn't find it that interesting. I think biopics are always, I don't know if I've actually watched one where I think the whole movie is great. I think that there's individual performances, the people who play the person 
are amazing. You know, like I just saw Respect, I don't know how many weeks ago now, or just a couple weeks ago, I guess. Um, Jennifer Hudson's amazing in it, but the movie itself is kind of meh, it's okay. You know, and I would say probably Rami Malek and um, what, Taryn Edgerton, who's the uh, Andra Day who played uh, Billie Holiday. It's like, they're great. They're all really, really great in it. But And Natalie Portman was a great Jackie, I thought. But the movies itself, I never, I've never been too big of a fan of them. Do you, be, you like Jackie, though. But like, yeah, I, I love know. it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't. Natalie Portman's amazing. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Kristen Stewart's going to be amazing, too. Like, I don't know if I've actually ever seen her in a movie, which is kind of weird, actually, now that I think about it. But I don't think I've ever actually seen her in anything. Um, but, yeah, willing to give her a shot as Princess Diana. Uh, yeah, it's nothing about her or the director or anything like that. Okay. Well, what is your number two movie? My number two is a movie called Night Raiders. Um, this has been one that's been on the radar for Canadian film for actually a little while now. Um, Danny Goulet is directing it. She's done some pretty amazing uh, short films in the past. So this is her first big feature, I believe. And it's a it's a sci-fi thriller kind of hybrid. And it takes a look at residential school system, the colonial uh, history of Canada, uh, but through a sci-fi lens. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, of District 9 in a sense, but not as it doesn't lean as heavily into the sci-fi, I think, as as District 9. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in this one because, one, there's just a lot of hype behind it. I like the I like science fiction. I like when they take historical elements or historical events, rather, and put a sci-fi spin on it. And Danny Goulet is someone that I just really like her, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how she does with the first big feature. So Yeah, that one just missed my honorable mentions list. Uh, it was one I'm, I'm also very curious about, too. I think, too, that's going to have a number of screenings because I think they're pretty keen on getting this one out um, just because it is Canadian. And she's she was a she worked for TIFF, if I'm not mistaken, like Danny Goulet, I think. Yeah, I believe she has a history with the film festival um, personally. So there is definitely kind of some cross elements there. But, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, anybody who's ever looking for I know these days a lot of people are kind of turning their minds to, you know, filmmakers of different backgrounds we don't have too too many indigenous films that get made um so it's cool to see something like night raiders where they're given a decent sized budget and see what you can do with it like they're you know it, it should be should be great I'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah absolutely okay so my number two movie is all my puny sorrows which is also a canadian film and it's got a, a pretty stacked cast as far as Canadian movies mm-hmm. go, which includes uh, Sarah Gadon, Alison Pill, Mimi Kuzik, Mayor Winningham, Amy Beth McNulty, and Donald Logue. Now, the director, Michael McGowan, kind of has a mixed track record. You know, the highs being the motorcycle drama One Week with Joshua Jackson, yeah. and then the low being Score, a hockey musical with the start <laughs> uh, pre-Shits Creek, Noah Reed as a singing hockey player. I didn't know about that. That sounds hilarious. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so obviously, you know, you've got a, a bit of a coin flip going on. Is is this movie going to be good or bad? Uh, but this looks like this could probably be the big Canadian film at the festival this year because mm-hmm. it's got a stack cast, as I mentioned. Uh, it's about two sisters, one who is a concert pianist who is contemplating suicide, played by Sarah Gadon. And the other is a writer who's going through a divorce played by Alison Pill. It's based on a book by Miriam Taves, which was shortlisted for the Scotiabank Giller Prize in 2014. So there is a bit of a pedigree with the with the story. And it looks to both be a dark comedy and a serious drama. So this is one I'm interested in, mostly because I really like Sarah Gadon as an actor. Um, but it also has Amy Beth McNulty, who was the, the star as, of Anne with an E as Anne of Green Gables TV show for the last few years. And she's actually been cast in the next season of Stranger Things. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see how her career grows from there. And then Donald Logue is like a veteran character actor that like always pops up as like, hey, that guy, I really like him. He usually <laughs> plays a dirtbag, but I like him sort of thing. That's... Um... I think the biggest thing I just took away from is that they're doing another season of Stranger Things. Yeah, you didn't know That's, that? I didn't. I'm, I haven't been watching it, so oh. I no idea what goes on with that show. But I'm surprised. It seemed to me to be a show that should just be like two or three seasons and go away, but they're keeping going with it. Well, this um, is only going to be the fourth season. 
Yeah, just end it. No, I'm kidding. I have no reason why I'm being so rude. I to like Stranger things, things. Okay. I I mean, a lot of people do. It's it sounds like a great thing. I don't know. I just I watched like two episodes and I go, I can't get into this. Um, that's a, that that movie's definitely on my list as well. I think that one just kind of like just as Night Raiders just missed it for you. Um, I would say all the puny tours just missed it for me. Like it's anytime that you see Canadian movies or Canadian um, productions get a good backing behind them. It's exciting because we're not 10, we don't tend to be a country that has a big output just because most people go down to Hollywood because that's where the money is. And I can't really blame them. Like one week is a pretty good example of that. Like that's such a Canadian story. Um, and I, I actually, I really enjoyed it, but very few eyes get to, to actually watch it. So yeah, I hope all the premium show, I hope it does really well. I really do hope it does really well and that it's like, it kind of goes beyond just TIFF and, and just our borders. Like I, I really hope it's one that is a pod, like, like you said, it's a coin flip for McGowan. And I hope it's, I hope it's a good one. Like I really have my fingers crossed for that one, that it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Okay. What's your number three film? I'm keeping it going with Canadian movies. I don't, we, neither of us planned it to be this way, but um, my third pick is a movie called Scarborough. Uh, it is based off of a Catherine Hernandez book, which I was a really, really big fan of. Um, I came across that book. I was literally just walking around a bookstore and I just see a book that's called Scarborough, which is strange because I don't think that I would ever see a book like a novel called Scarborough. I just don't think it. Um, my family lived in Scarborough for a time. I think most families that have immigrated into Toronto have at some point lived in, in Scarborough. It's definitely a, a, I don't want to call it a transitory city because a lot of people stay there and live there and, and have very lovely lives there. But it's certainly one that a lot of people stay there for a few years and then kind of move out to wherever you're going to one of the suburbs, probably. Um, but the movie is about or the movie and the book are about three kids that are growing up in a low income housing area. And it's just a coming of age tale of them um, growing up in Scarborough and finding, you know, like friendship and family and those kinds of things. It's a book that I genuinely was shocked when I saw it on the list of like, I was shocked to see this film being made. I didn't think that it was a kind of book that would ever get made into a movie because I think maybe I have a bit of, I don't know, what's that syndrome called where you just don't think that anybody would care about something like Scarborough? Like it just wouldn't be something that people, mm. filmmakers would want to put money into it. Um, yeah. But why not? Like it's interesting, right? Like imposter like, syndrome? Imposter syndrome, yeah. But like there's been so many movies in the States of, you know, kids growing up, say like in Harlem or the Bronx or Compton, um, you know, and in the UK we kind of see a little bit of, I mean, I know Peaky Blinders is a really ex- stream thing but it's about like the working class right like it's about the working class of of um of a community at that time and every country has those bits like every country has those neighborhoods that maybe are a little bit rough around the edges but they have a lot of great stories to tell so i'm really excited for scarborough just because i live quite nearby scarborough i grew up spent a lot of time in there um and yeah looking forward to it is is this one that's on your radar dakota it was one that I, I did not know about uh, when I, I must have passed over it when I saw it. Uh, as soon as I saw it on your list, I was like, Scarborough, like Scarborough, <laughs> Ontario, Toronto, Scarborough. So yeah, See, that, it's the same thing, right? Interested. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> start singing some Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I grew up in like mostly Etobicoke and then downtown Toronto. So I, mm-hmm. I don't have the same connection with Scarborough, but now that I'm not in Toronto at all. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to rep that I'm Scarborough's part of the, the Toronto area, yeah. the GTA, all that sort of good stuff. So I'm, I'm all on board for that then. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I mean, I don't know how much people who are from like other parts of Toronto, like Scarborough to me is still Scarborough. This is a whole other conversation about the amalgamation of Toronto into Toronto. <laughs> Cause I always found it weird, but like to me, Scarborough is still such a distinct, it's a very, very distinct city um, that, has so much to offer. Like, I really do believe that so much to offer, not just um, the city of Toronto, but like the outer kind of surrounding regions. And it gets a really, really bad rep for, I don't think it's deserving of as bad of a reputation as it has. Um, but like, yeah, I know people the nickname who, Scarberia. Yeah. Well, that's like, 
I mean, that's that's very of our generation too. I don't know if people understand that who are younger. I don't know if they still <laughs> say that. Um, but it's yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I have a lot of friends who you know grew up in say Richmond Hill or something like that, and the idea for them to go to Scarborough was very like, oh my god, like you're going to Scarborough, like that's so scary. Like, what are you doing there? And you're just like come on stop that so i think it's cool that there's a movie that hopefully i mean i haven't seen it but i'm i'm hoping that it celebrates the city in the same way that uh the book did so i'm i'm really looking forward to it nice okay my next movie is one called official competition which stars Mm -hmm. antonio banderas penelope cruz and oscar martinez and so it is directed by two spanish language tv veterans and mariano Cohn and gaston duprat uh, so it's going to be interesting, but even though they didn't share any, any scenes, Cruz and Banderas were just in the excellent Pain and Glory, the the Pedro Almodovar film, and it sort of renewed a, a highlight in Banderas' career. Like he he's sort of seen as I don't know how I don't know the best way to describe it, but like a lot of his English language stuff, he sort of peaked in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and I don't Zorro. think he's being taken seriously as like a as an actor anymore like yeah stuff like zorro and stuff like that uh were were definitely popular at the time but i don't think anyone looks back fondness with fondness on his english language career but his spanish language career especially his work with with almodovar is so vast and interesting so like i'm i'm definitely interested anytime he does a spanish language film in um and back with Penelope Cruz, who also sort of similarly, I think, does her best work uh, in Spain and in Spanish language films as well. Oscar Martinez was one of the the lead performers in the the anthology movie Wild Tales from Argentina. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but uh, I believe he was in the first story about the guy whose day just got progressively worse about his car being locked up. Oh, um, I didn't but, watch it, but I remember. Oh, that, that's about a great, it. yeah, crazy film. But uh, this movie in particular is about an aging millionaire who decides to finance a film and hires a difficult director who's played by Penelope Cruz. And then the film is about two brothers, one who is uh, and then uh, they end up casting these two uh, male performers, Antonio Banderas and Oscar Martinez, to play these two brothers. Martinez is a, a drama teacher and perfectionist and takes his craft very seriously. And then Banderas is this brainless global superstar who mostly does lowbrow movies. And so it's sort of going to be very interesting to, to see Banderas play uh, a quote unquote dumb character who is who's <laughs> just there for like the sex appeal sort of thing, which is definitely sort of maybe what his perception was in like the 90s in the Zorro era. So I am very curious to see how this plays out. But the three of them in this movie definitely has me intrigued. And the poster, well, not the poster, the, the screenshot that they've shared, yeah. the costumes look fantastic. And, and Penelope Cruz is wearing this like gigantic red curly wig too. So I'm all, I'm all on board for this one. It looks really cool. I think that's like a really interesting. Um, I it, it I've, it's going to sound like I'm I'm downplaying it, but what was that that Eurovision movie that came out with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and um, it rem- it kind of the idea reminds me of of that, but like good, you know, like not not like taking the mic or anything like that. It's just it looks like it's going to be like a really good movie that I don't know takes on this premise of of looking at like it from what I understand, it takes the piss out of filmmaking, but also like people who write about movies, like, like criticism and things like that. So I think it's pretty cool. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. I hope I can, I hope I can watch it. Um, I think that that's doing digital and in person, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And I agree with you on Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz, like not having, I don't think they're given as much opportunity in Hollywood um, to make, the kinds of movies that they're capable of making or take on the roles that they're capable of doing and doing really well. Um, but I mean, they, they do some cool stuff here too, but it's yeah, their Spanish language movies are definitely far better than their English speaking ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the next film on your My list? My next one is a Korean movie and uh, we really moved along in unison here. We went Canadian, Canadian, and then we went to um, outside uh, it's a Korean movie called Aloners, and it is a movie about a girl who lives by herself, or a woman who lives by herself, and her neighbor dies who also lives by herself. And so she starts to kind of have, 
I guess, a bit of an existential crisis about what it is to, you know, live alone and and die alone, effectively. Um, It is a debut feature from a director named, and I apologize for any Korean-speaking listeners out there, but I'm going to give it a go. It's Hong Sung-un. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. Like I, it's, it sounds kind of silly, but it's like, I'm relatively antisocial. <laughs> I like to be alone. I like kind of having my own space and doing my own thing. Um, so a movie like this, I do think about it sometimes. Like if you're living alone, what happens if something happens to you, like, and you die alone, like it's kind of freaky. Um, I don't know why. It, and I'm cl- kind of glad to see that it's a thought that has crossed many a single people's mind who live by themselves and and like to have a relatively kind of isolated life. So I'm curious to see what it is. Korean films are having quite a moment these days, but I don't think it's a moment. I think it's just the world catching up with the idea that Korea's got some serious, amazing filmmakers and some great stories to tell. So I'm really looking forward to it. I've been saying that for all of them. Obviously, I'm looking forward to all of these. That's why they made the list. <laughs> it reminds Duh. me of when, uh, when Bill was on the episode talking about our, our favorite films of the decades every yeah. time he was being like, and this is one of my favorite movies. And he's like, yeah. can't stop saying that. It's like, yes, well, yeah, of course it is. Movies. That's why, that's why we're talking about them. Yeah. But yes. it looks cool. Like it looks interesting. It looks dark. It looks like something that's pretty much right up my street, but I don't know for you is that I kind of feel like this isn't a movie that would be on your radar as much. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It wasn't one that I had come across. So points for you for for nailing that um but i i do enjoy korean cinema so mm-hmm. yeah just that idea the concept of it sounds interestingly enough I, i'll probably wait to sort of see reviews of it before i i dive head first into it and, and just blindly watch it mm-hmm. um to see if it really is something that would be up my alley but yeah it, it sounds intriguing yeah it sounds like it'll be good it'll be interesting and i like first-time filmmakers it's actually pretty fascinating to see where they go with it and i've been watching a lot this year kind of very coincidentally um a lot of movies that i've really enjoyed this year have happened to be debut features so it's gonna be pretty cool uh what's Mm -hmm. your next movie my next one is a hero which is the latest film from asgard for hadi uh so if anyone has listened to the show for the last little while people probably know that i'm a big asgard for hadi fan i was a big fan of uh, a separation i quite like the salesman i finally caught up recently with everybody knows and like that quite a bit which also uh starred penelope cruz uh speaking of her for my last movie i was i was only so so on his movie the past which was sort of a uh spanish and farsi language film but he's back he seem, he sort of seems to be going back and forth between doing films in uh, in Farsi and then not in Farsi. So he's everyone knows everybody knows was a, a Spanish language film and a hero is back to being shot in Iran and in, in Farsi as well. Um, but yeah, so people by now, if you're a fan of world cinema, you know who Asghar Farhadi is, and you're either totally with his sort of minimalist style of filmmaking that has deep emotional resonance or is just not really your style. I don't quite know how to describe this plot. It's sort of about a man who's in prison for his debts and he is released for two days where he then has to try to gather the money he's owed so that way he can get out for good. Um, and then after that, I'm not too sure exactly where the plot goes, but it sort of seems that the phrase no good deed goes unpunished is basically the theme of the film. But really, like I said, if you're a fan of Farhadi, the plot really isn't going to be mad or his name is is going to be enough to sort of get you in the cinema. I'm looking forward to that one too. I think that'll be a a good one. I'm not as familiar with his work as as you are, but um, from what I have seen, they're pretty great. And I always think it's interesting when there's a filmmaker who you just go to the movies or you go to watch something just for the filmmaker. I feel like that's what we used to do with actors. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like new Denzel Washington movie and new Tom Cruise movie kind of thing. Um, I feel like we're kind of moving to a state where now where it's like the new Tarantino movie, the new Scorsese movie, the new uh, Nolan movie. Like, so I think it's, it's, I prefer that. I like that, that people kind of get interested in certain movies just because of who's directing it. Um, I always think that that's like a nice way to go, but versus who the, the actor is. My next movie is one of the ones that you mentioned at the top of being kind of one of the bigger movies that are coming out this year, and it's uh, Belfast. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? 
You're Buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. Hey, Buddy! Your mom's calling you the head! We're looking to cleanse the community a wee bit. You wouldn't want to be the old man out in the street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. So, I'm interested in it, but I have my reservations. <laughs> I am very into, it sounds weird to say I'm into, I'm very interested in uh, the history of Northern Ireland and the Troubles specifically. There's anybody out there who's interested in it. There's a great podcast called The Troubles. Um, it's just called The Troubles Podcast. And I like reading books about it. It's a very interesting time in the history of the UK and in Ireland as a republic, um, as now as a republic. So it's just been an area of of history and in the world that's always fascinated me quite a bit. And I love learning about it. So when I heard there was a movie coming out called Belfast set in the sixties, Kenneth Branagh, you know, is behind it. Okay. Like I kind of get where they're coming from. It's going to be a coming of age tale. My guess is set against what was happening in Northern Ireland at the time. I love that Jamie Dornan is in it. Um, He doesn't get to necessarily act uh, Northern Irish uh, very often. Usually he's, either sporting an American accent or some sort of British accent. So it's pretty cool. I think the fall was one time he actually got to use his real accent. Um, so it'll be cool to see him like do, do that. And I, I'm a big Jamie Dornan fan. My one reservation comes from Kenneth Branagh, the director of it. Cause I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not overly taken with his style of filmmaking and his way of storytelling. Um, any other director I think you put in there, uh, especially if you put another Irish or Northern Irish director, I'd be really into it. Um, but it's funny enough, it's because of Brana that I'm a bit like, eh, maybe it won't be that good. So if I hold my reservations, though, potentially it ends up being a lot greater than if I set my expectations too high. It's so interesting how like through the 80s and 90s, Kenneth Branagh was just like so synonymous for being the cream of the crop you know, best performer rivaling someone like Lawrence Olivier of like yeah. greatest actor ever, especially with his theatrical stuff. I've never seen Kenneth Branagh on stage, so I can't comment on that. Uh, and even the movies he was directing were also pretty well acclaimed. Yeah. And then the last 10 years, like, I don't know if it's just like the lure of, of money in Hollywood. He's just been like turning out so much crap. Yeah. Like I, I talked about that in, because this is all, like you said, this made my, uh, a list of, of movies I was most excited about for the rest of the year. And in this, his last run of movies that he's been directing have not been good at all. Yeah. And like, I have no idea what choices he's making to direct these movies where he's just completely phoning it in completely. I, I have no idea. So your guess is good. Part, mine. Yeah. If this is going to be good or not. I hope that the fact that this is a somewhat more of a personal subject matter, he'll yeah. take it a bit more seriously than he did for what was that Disney plus movie? Um, Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl. Thank you. I thought he was doing the bad yeah, movie. Which was like absolutely decimated. So as bad. Being called like the worst movie from last year. Like I have no idea what he's doing. Murder on the Orient Express was fine. It wasn't mm-hmm. great, but it was fine. Cinderella wasn't very good. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit wasn't very oh, good. God, that was so His bad. Thor movie wasn't very good. Nope. Like we're going I, back yeah. now ten years. I wonder. It's kind. Of, it's interesting talking about Brano because you're right. Like if you look at all his accolades, like um, particularly if we, we were talking about the Oscars before, so kind of keeping in line with that. All of his Oscar nominations come from behind the camera work, not in front of it. So it's like he is good. You know, I mean, put your weight what you want behind the Academy, but he is good. I kind of wonder if his style of filmmaking and is a bit dated now. Like maybe it just doesn't work with the way that movies are made today, um, with the way that actors work today. Like maybe he's just kind of a man that's stuck in the past and hasn't been able to really adapt into the future and, uh, or into the present rather it's interesting like he made a comment you brought up thor and like he made i remember chris hemsworth saying like he was really bored of playing thor the way that brana had basically created thor he didn't like it anymore um and it wasn't until taika waititi came in and and kind of gave it a bit of a lift um comedically wise and probably made it more in line with hemsworth as a person and then that reinvigorated him into the character and then like helped him kind of through the rest of all of the Avenger movies. And then I caught an interview with uh, Kenneth Branagh about Artemis Fowl, actually. And he was saying, he made like a very flippant comment about how 
like Thor, as the movies have progressed since he left, they're just looking more and more like Chris Hemsworth now. And in a way, like the way he said it kind of had this like, like, come on, like, that's not what it's supposed to be. Like Thor shouldn't be like that. Like you're just, you're just playing Hemsworth now. You're not acting anymore. That's what I took from it. So I kind of wonder if he's just the kind of guy that's just, maybe he's just a little bit too stuck in the past um, and unwilling to, to adapt to what audiences are looking for today. And what, and again, what actors are looking to do in their projects, but the subject matter is interesting in this one, Belfast. And like you said, it's a much more personal story to him. I don't know if he's really ever done something um, specifically about Northern Ireland. Uh, I know that, you know, Northern Ireland, you kind of have Irish people and you have more British people or English people. And Braun is definitely the latter. He's he's more kind of of that um, that cloth. So uh, it's it's I put it in there because I'm, I'm interested in the topic. Braun is the one that's holding me back a little bit. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. Okay, so the last movie on my list is The Middleman, which is also a Canadian film, although not really. It <laughs> stars Don McKellar, Ross of Sutherland, Paul Gross, Sheila McCarthy, Kenneth Walsh, and others. It is directed by Bent Hammer, who is a Norwegian director, and he has had multiple films that have played at the festival, none of which I've ever heard of before. But despite the Canadian cast, the movie is actually about an American town which seems to be plagued by tragedies. So they hire someone to be the middleman, the person who is in charge of informing families of the death of someone. It sort of seems to be like a dark comedy blending both Norwegian and Canadian sensibilities. I watched the trailer for it and it doesn't really hint at a comedic aspect, but like you don't get Don McKellar and Paul Gross if you're not going to have some comedy involved in it as well. So I'm, this one sort of seems interesting. I, I could see this movie, you know, not being the greatest. I could see this movie being really funny, a sort of a cult classic sort of type of movie. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Was this one that you had heard of? I'd heard of it, but actually never really looked into it. Um, I kind of brushed over it when I was going through uh, the website. And I mean, it seemed fine. Didn't really kind of click with me in any way. But it's like, I mean it's what you said, like, it could be great. It could be really bad. And I find that's the draw of the film festival circuit though. Some of the movies you're going to watch are going to be amazing and stick with you. Others are going to be absolute crap, but I mean, I, I never want a movie to be bad, so I hope it's good. I hope yeah. it's, I hope it's something that um, is something that like for you specifically, like it's something that you enjoy and that it's, it's you know, worth your time and, and hassle of trying to get a ticket in TIFF. So it would be good if there, I, I, I also agree with you about um, the humor. Like, I don't see how it can't be funny. Like, I just don't see how it wouldn't have comedic elements to it, but mm -hmm. waits to be seen. It will, we, we yeah. wait to see. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, those were the five movies we're most excited about. Obviously we could have listed another 10 each, but we've got a couple honorable mentions. So Rachel, I'll let you kind of quickly go through all your honorable mentions and, I, and I'll save all my comments for the end. Sure. So my first one's going to be called Dashcam, which is directed by Rob Savage. Um, he did a movie last year called Host, uh, which was a screen life movie, meaning it was just done completely over Zoom. I loved it. It was a cool pandemic movie that, um, you know, he was, it was a cool pandemic movie that, uh, that was done. Like it's, it's very much so born out of what was going on at the time. Um, but not kind of resting on lockdown pandemic, whatever. I loved it. I, I thought it was really innovative just as a film. And so I was curious when I saw that he had another one coming up. Um, it's more just curiosity of what it is. The movie is called Dashcam, and it's, from what I can tell, it's it's the dash cam of somebody's car, and it's going to be like a thriller in that sense. Um, yeah, it's a kind of, um, you know, what you were saying before. It's I'm more interested in the filmmaker on this one than the movie itself. Uh, but yeah, so dash cam's there. It's, the other one is called Snakehead. I'll be honest with you. This is a movie that um, I'm more interested, again, in the filmmaker. This is Evan Jackson uh, Leong or Leung. Uh, it's, he's a so from San Francisco, I believe. Um, and it's about a woman who goes through, uh, rises through the ranks of a gang, essentially. Uh, you, when you saw me put that on my list, you said it's either going to be amazing or like an absolute train wreck. So I'm hoping for amazing. Uh, part of me is just kind of supporting uh, Asian American filmmakers. I think it's cool that there's more and more opportunities out there and it's nice to see last names like Leong 
Parker Lung showing up at uh, film festivals. And my last one is uh, I can never say this properly now. Titan? 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 Whatever. It won um, it won uh, the, the Palme d'Or at Cannes this year. It is a weird movie. Like, the premise is very strange. It's a woman has sex with her car and then becomes pregnant by the car. That's interesting. It's a it's a body horror thriller. Um, definitely a weird one. Like I don't think that anybody can look at that pre- premise and not think it's it's going to be like a run of a mill movie. It's definitely going to be strange. Uh, I know that she the the director is Julia Ducourneau, who's done a movie called Raw, which I haven't seen, um, but it seems to have a similar kind of body horror angle. So I'm more interested in this one because it won um, Palme d'Or because I never would have kind of thought a movie like that would have won Palme d'Or. I think it was a bit of a surprise to everybody. So yeah, just curious about what the movie is about. Yeah. Those are, those are three movies where I'm, I'm, I'm sort of interested in, especially snake and Titan. I did not see raw either, uh, which if anyone hasn't seen it, it's about a uh, young woman who is going to veterinary school, who is a vegetarian. And during a hazing incident, she is forced to eat raw meat. And soon it turns out that she has the taste for human flesh, which is why her family are vegetarians. Um, so yeah, sort of similar, very high concept style movies. Uh, a lot of people were a fan of raw. Titan looks completely off the charts craziness. The trailer looks crazy. I'm very intrigued by it. I'm worried that I might not be able to stomach some of the things in it, but I'm still (laughs) very intrigued by it. Like you said with Snakehead, you you, you mentioned what my comment was. It stars Sung Kang, who a really great actor in Better Luck Tomorrow and not so great actor in the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, Or maybe that's just my thoughts on them. Um, But yeah, that's one where I read the premise. I'm like, this sounds interesting about a woman who's fighting back about the people who trafficked her. I like this. Uh, but you know, with a movie like that, who knows what it's really all going to be. I mean, that's the, that's the fun of film festivals, isn't it? You never, yeah. you never really know. And I mean, it can suck because the price of a ticket is more than a normal ticket. So if you, you do gamble, it's like, it's kind of annoying that you, you waste money on a crappy movie, but and I always say that for people doing film festivals, like don't focus so much on trying to to watch the best thing that you're going to love. Like chances are you're not going to love everything that you see. Um, but anyways, what are what's your honorable mentions? So my three, the first one is Memoria, which is starring mm-hmm. Tilden Swinton. And Swinton is the English and Spanish language debut from Apichapong Rastical the Thai director of Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives in Cemetery of Splendor and some other movies that he's done as well. Uh, this one seems very interesting. It's about a, a woman who travels um, to uh, South America and she starts hearing a noise. And suddenly this noise starts overtaking her life and she can't figure out where this noise is coming from and what it all means. So it's going to be very interesting for that. The next one after is called The Forgiven, which is the latest film from John Michael McDonough, who directed The Guard and Cavalry to mostly good movies. I liked Cavalry a bit more than The Guard, but The Guard definitely has its moments too. Uh, And he's actually the brother of Martin McDonough, who uh, did In Bruges, which is absolutely phenomenal, and then the absolutely god-awful three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, but The Forgiven is a dark satire about a rich couple who are played by Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain who hit a pedestrian in Morocco on their way to a lavish over-the-top party, and then they hide the body, and then later on they have to deal with the consequences of rich people just kind of getting away with whatever they want. So that concept sort of intrigues me a little bit, and I think the McDonough's are very good at poking fun at the upper-class aristocracy. So I'm all for it, and Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain, I like them both a lot. And then the last one is a movie called Encounter, which stars Riz Ahmed, who is protecting his two young sons from an alien invasion where bugs seem to be controlling people. And it co-stars Octavia Spencer, and it's directed by Michael Pierce, who did the, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a horror film, uh, but a movie called Beast a few years ago. 
So that one I think could be really hit or miss, but the other two I think are, are going to be pretty solid picks. The Forgiven is one that I actually just came across it uh, yesterday when I was finalizing some lists of what I was going to cover. And, and I don't know how I missed that. I think I missed it because it's under like the gala or special presentation category. So I tend to not take put too much attention on them. But I read the synopsis for The, the Forgiven. And I was like, this sounds really good. And because it's uh, McDonough as well. I'm really, really excited for that because you mentioned the guard and Calvary. Um, and he also did the war on everyone, um, which I really enjoyed. I know that that's probably of his of his movies. That's probably the one that's um, least regarded. But I thought it was really funny and I enjoyed it. So I'm really looking forward to The Forgiven, though, and with Ray Fiennes, because, you know, you mentioned his brother who did In Bruges and Ray Fiennes performance in In Bruges is like top performance for Ray Fiennes. And that's saying something, I think, for a man with the with a career like his. So Encounter, I'm also really looking forward to too. I think that that's going to be a cool movie. I'm a big fan of Riz Ahmed. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. I'm looking forward to everything. A TIFF is going to be fun. It's it's going to be a little bit different this year. It's in person and hybrid. So a little different from last year, but different from years prior. Um, and it's a li- I think it's still a little bit smaller than what they usually do. Um, but it should be fun. Like TIFF is always a really great time, especially here in the city. So it'll be fun. Yeah. There's, uh, over a hundred films. I don't know what the the exact count is, but there is plenty to go around. And if you don't like the ones that we mentioned, there are plenty of others that you'll probably like, including the ones that we, we mentioned off the top that we weren't going to be talking about. I'm sure you're going to find something you're interested in. But uh, that wraps up our preview of the Toronto International Film Festival. But make sure you stay posted because we will have plenty of great TIFF content coming your way. Rachel, what have you been working on and where can people find you? You can find me on rachelkh.com and the social medias are pretty much underscore rachelkh on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I've done some cool stuff and I got to interview actually Riz Ahmed and Bassam Tariq who have a new movie coming out called Mogul Mowgli. By the time this comes out, I think opening weekend will have passed. And I uh, have an interview with Simu Liu um, for Shang-Chi. And that is also coming out the end of this week. So by the time you post this, both of those will be up and they're both going to be with Exclaim. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm very excited for both of those. <laughs> you get to interview two superstars. So that is very cool. Um, but yeah, so you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod and let us know what movies you are most excited about seeing during this year's TIFF. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there too. Thanks for checking this out.